Since humanity learned how to write thousands of years ago, we have been writing letters. We write for thousands of reasons, to encourage, to share, to tell stories, and let others know that we care. The way we communicate with each other has changed, but our reasons remain the same. Almost 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul sat down and wrote a letter, and then he wrote another, and another, and another. Paul's letters changed the world. They still do, and God is still speaking to us through each and every one of these letters. All right, well, welcome to Seacoast. My name is Josh Walters. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. So glad you chose to worship with us this weekend. I wanna welcome you if you're joining us online or in one of the venues at an offsite campus. Wherever you may be, we are glad that you are with us as well. You know, every weekend I get to meet people that are part of our family uh, that, that I've never met before. And this week was no different. I was walking through Lowe's and heard this guy say, hey, hey, Pastor Josh. And, Walked over, was like, hey man, how you doing? How, how long you been coming to Seacoast? And they've been here for a couple months and said, where are you from? They just moved here from Jersey, right outside, of, right outside of Manhattan. And so I was like, hey, you know, you should come over to the house. We could cook some cannolis and get to know the kids. <laughs> just kidding. I was like, man, that's awesome. That's crazy from Manhattan to Mount Pleasant. That's a change, right? I was like, so are you finding your way around, making some friends, is it feeling like home? So. As we're kind of small talking, this lady that was a few feet over from us uh, named Lisa, I didn't know her at the time, she leaned over and she said, hey, hey guys, I, I go to Seacoast too. And we're like, really, how about that? How long have you been coming? She said, 24 years. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Four months and 24 years. And so before we officially launched our Seacoast Lowe's campus, I said, hey, can we pull in right here and take a picture? And so right there in the walkway, we took a little picture. There you go. So we just want you to know, we're here for you as a staff this Christmas to meet all of your home care needs, anything that we can do <laughs> for you. But now listen, whether you've been here for a couple months or 24 years, whether you're joining us here in Mount Pleasant from a distant campus, another city in the country or another country in the world, each of you that call Seacoast home play a vital role in helping us expand the kingdom of God through Seacoast. You know, this is a milestone Christmas for us, for the last 18 years from this room, we've, we've sang songs and lit candles and broadcasted the greatest story ever told. And by God's grace, this time next year, we're gonna be in a new place as a church. Not just the building that we meet in, but our, our uh, capacity to reach thousands of people with the good news of Jesus. And so because of that, I wanna ask you to do two things. The first of which, as you came in today, this card was on your seat across all of our campuses. If you'd find that card, and pull it out for me. One thing that you might not realize is that each one of these cards actually has your name on it, okay? And I wanna invite you to put it in your wallet, in your pocketbook, keep it in your car, wherever handy, and be praying about who God might have you give it to. Somebody that's potentially close to you, but far from God. And maybe they're, uh, they're new to the area, maybe it's a coworker, somebody that you work out with or play ball with on the weekend, one of your kids' friends, whatever it might be. And here's the deal, regardless of how much marketing we do as a church to get our service times out and invite people. There's some folks that would just never come by the things we do, but they'll come on the arm of a trusted friend. So be praying about who you might invite, knowing that your invitation may well be the one thing that forever changes their lives. The second thing we would ask you of is as you're wrapping up Christmas shopping 
for your family. We'd ask you to keep your church family in mind as well. We have a goal to raise nearly a million dollars to stay on track with our finances for the new building. Second Corinthians 9, 7 says, each man must decide in his heart what he'll give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. So we would just ask as we approach the holidays for you to be in prayer about what you could give cheerfully. For some of you, that might seem like a very small amount. For some, it would be a very significant amount. But whatever the case is, as we do what we can do, then we all get to take part in celebrating, seeing God do what only he can do. Amen? Amen. All right, well, let me pray for us, and we'll get started. God, we thank you so much for this weekend. I praise you for uh, just this, this time of year, for the blessing it is to be able to come together as a church family. Right now, I just pray that you would still our hearts, God, that we would be able to uh, really focus in on what you have for us this weekend. May your word not return void. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, a couple months ago, uh, Katie said that uh, she felt like I was telling her that we were entering into a winter season as a family. I was like, well, babe, that's, you know, that makes sense. It's October, uh, November and December are coming, and so we're, we're all kind of entering in to a winter season, and she said, no, no, beyond the weather or the calendar, I think for our family, there's something there. So we started talking about what all that could mean, and a couple weeks go by, and early November, here at Seacoast in response time one weekend, felt like God gave her the word cozy uh, to prepare for this season we were walking into as a family, as a wife, as a mom, as a homemaker. Uh, there were some things that she could do to make our home more cozy, and so she called her friend Joan Lesky after service, said, hey, could you come over this afternoon and help me do some things in our house to, to make it cozy. And so Joan comes over and they pretty quickly start moving around every piece of furniture in our house. Disassembled our coffee table to put this big rug under it, moved all the chairs, and pretty quickly, I hadn't realized until that point just how opinionated I am about things being in the right place. You know what I mean? Because they have a right place, right? And it's like, for God's sake, please don't put anything catty-corner. That's just a waste of space. It doesn't look good. And all of a sudden, I just feel stress rising up inside of me. It's like, this is not cozy. I'm not feeling cozy right now. And so, so you know what? I'm gonna run some errands. I had to step out for a little while. And so I went and ran some errands. And when I got back, man, they had done a great job. They had, they had gotten a ton of comfy blankets. And I didn't do an official count here, but there was somewhere around 57 throw pillows <laughs> that were all over, all over everything. But really, the house felt... Cozy, right? Cozy there on your outline means to experience feelings of comfort, warmth, and relaxation. Now tell me, how many of you would like to experience a little bit of cozy this Christmas, right? We all would. It's like, yeah, sign me up for that. As soon as I thought about the word, I kind of envisioned Katie and I, all the kids having a sleepover somewhere else, you know, <laughs> little glass of something. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Not that kind of cozy, all right? That's a different message, right? But we would all like to experience a little bit of cozy this Christmas. Well, because God had given Katie that word, that's kind of what I was expecting to experience, right? Well, let me tell you a little bit about what my last few weeks have actually looked like. It started off with our dishwasher breaking, which is only great because there was already eight of us in the house. Then my mom, dad, and sister moved in. So 11 people, man, we had dirty dishes for days. And ain't no cozy happening with dishpan hands, right? It's like, that was just... Frustrating. Well, not long after that, our hardwood floors start buckling. And I don't just mean like a little hump in the floor. I mean like the kids could have brought their skateboard in 
And like they were, they were jumping on it, kind of making musical beats. And all the while I'm crawling under the house. There's no sign as to why this is happening. We had somebody come out and look at it. They said, hey, you can encapsulate your crawl space for $10,000 and that'll solve the problem. I said, yeah, we're not doing that. So <laughs> what else? So I went to Walmart, bought a dehumidifier, crawled it up under the house and put it under the spot and it did no good at all. And so uh, still dealing with that. Not long later, our refrigerator goes up. And so we get a fridge from a friend, we keep it in our garage, which means that every breakfast, lunch, when you need some milk or cheese, you just walk right past the lawnmower, get it out of the garage, and you never remember everything on the first trip, right? So you're constantly in and out of the house. Well, not long after that, I walked in my parents' room and noticed the hardwoods were a little darker, just in one little patch. And and their room and closet backs up to our master bedroom shower. I thought, yeah, I wonder what's up with that. And so while I was on one of my adventures working on the hardwood floors, I crawled over to their room underneath the house and pulled out the insulation. And it appears that our shower pan has been leaking probably since the day we moved in. And the whole subfloor had just rotted out, right? Which meant 11 of us were using one bathroom upstairs to shower, which is a whole nother kind of cozy, right? <laughs> Some of y'all have been thinking, man, Pastor Josh smells a little different. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time. Ain't nobody got time for that, right? And that's on top. That's on top of all the normal stuff. Anna Jay's basketball season started up. For some reason, all of our kids have a Christmas recital, which is so special, right? <laughs> all the Christmas shopping, Christmas parties, presents for teachers, every single teacher and the teacher's helpers. It's like so much stuff. How many of you agree? It's like, man, that doesn't sound like cozy. That sounds like crazy, right? It's crazy. Well, all of us have our own version of crazy at Christmas time, all the while longing for the comfort and warmth and relaxation of a cozy Christmas. Well, for the last few weeks, we've been in a series called Letters, where we've been looking at a series of letters by the Apostle Paul, and today we're gonna be looking at a letter he wrote uh, to the Philippians. It's a unique book, it's actually referred to as the book of joy because in a four chapter book, Paul uses the word joy or rejoice 16 different times and it's only significant because he wrote this letter while he was in prison. And so man, I'm thinking any guy that can have joy or rejoice or be fruitful and productive while he's in frustrating and disappointing circumstances has my attention. I'm leaning in like, man, how, how is he doing that? He got a unique call from God to go and preach the gospel to these folks, Philippi would actually go on to be the first Christian community in all of Europe. Paul got a vision, a man inviting him to come to Macedonia and preach the good news for them. In this four chapter book, Paul uses the name of Christ 61 different times. He paints a very clear picture as to what it looks like for them to be a community who bears the name of Jesus. In fact, he tells them in chapter one, verse 29, uh, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Paul was saying, hey, if you're gonna be a Christ follower, I want you to know you've gotta remember that struggle is part of the story. There's gonna be seasons of crazy. But was, what Paul was, was communicating to the people of Philippi, what Paul's communicating to you and I is what makes us unique is our potential, the ability to experience comfort and warmth and relaxation in the midst of crazy. So how do we do that this Christmas? A couple thoughts for us there on your outlines. The first of which is this. 
We can find cozy in the crazy this Christmas when you, number one, make others your favorite. Make others your favorite. What's that all about? Check this out. <laughs> now, now, how many of you would agree? Smiling is definitely his favorite. Cheesing, right? It can be tough when smiling is your favorite to make work your favorite because the two don't always go hand in hand, right? Asking somebody to make something their favorite that isn't their favorite can be difficult. Well, if there's a time of year where we're, we're invited, where it's easier to make others our favorite, it's this one. But even still, it's harder for some than it is for others. Uh, Katie and I have been married for 15 years. In fact, this Thursday is our 15th wedding anniversary, and this is the first year of all the Christmases we've shared together that I've done all the Christmas shopping. Up until this point, she's handled all of it for our kids. <laughs> Some ladies talking about amen, amen, that's right. <laughs> well, it kind of happened on accident. It was Thanksgiving Day. We're looking at like circulars and stuff from the newspaper, and the kids start talking about things they really want for Christmas, and I had my phone out, and so I just kind of opened up eBay, Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, and I just started ordering things, right? And, and we got in the car that day, and I was like, hey, babe, most, most of the Christmas shopping's done. <laughs> I was like, what? And so over the next couple weeks, man, I, I just kept getting online, finishing things up, and, and knocked it out. Well, what was unique to it this year is that I would get online, even with the best of intentions, to look at something or order something for the kids and find myself looking at or ordering something for me. Right? And so when I say Christmas shopping is done, it went something like this, something for the kids, something for me, something for the kids, something for me, right? And so I got it done for everybody, including myself, maybe for the next couple years, right? It can be hard for us to make others our favorite when our tendency is to focus on, care for, and be attentive to ourselves. This is how Paul said it in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing, turn to your neighbor and say nothing. Nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In humility, value others above yourself. Is Paul saying here, if you have a need in your life, if you have a need in your marriage, if you have a need in your family that you shouldn't be attentive to it, no, that's not what he's saying at all. Is he saying, if you have a health issue, that you should be attentive to the health issues of others before you're attentive to those of yourself? No, he's speaking into our, our tendencies here, our preferences. He's saying, at the end of the day, I want you to humble yourselves and value others above yourselves. That in some way, you'd be able to look back at your week and see a few moments. Maybe they were purposed. Maybe you, you planned them and scheduled them where you spent time caring for, looking after, investing in the needs of others. Maybe they were totally random and unknown by anyone but you and God, but there were moments that you valued others above yourself. What would that look like for you over the next week? You know, chances are there's somebody in your life, somebody that you know that's maybe walking into this holiday season uh, in, a, in a season of grief. It's gonna be the first Christmas without a loved one. And man, they're feeling that burden in their hearts. How much would it mean for them if you sent them a text, if you showed up at their house, just say, hey, I've been thinking about you. I know how you're feeling. I know the holidays are gonna be hard and I want you to know that I see you, that I love you, that I'm gonna be praying for you. Scripture says that a burden shared is a burdened lightened. Man, how much would that lift their spirits this Christmas? Maybe somebody is going through this Christmas season and a season of unemployment. 
not really knowing how they're gonna make Christmas happen for the kids, and God has positioned you to be able to help and bless them in some way, that you could value them above yourself and come alongside and help them this Christmas. Chances are God will bring about some people to mind right now, and it's counterintuitive, but he's saying if you'll value others, if you'll help create comfort and warmth in the life of others, then you will experience some cozy in the midst of crazy this Christmas. The second thing we can do there on your outline is this. Remember that everything means everything. Everything means everything. Philippians 2.14 says it this way. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Some of y'all looking at me like, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> you know? Let me know how that goes for you, right? We, we treat grumbling on a scale of acceptability, right? When you heard me talk about what my last few weeks have looked like, when I said the dishwasher broke, you're like, well, Josh, welcome to adulting, you know? <laughs> Things break, you spend your money to fix them, it's just what we do in life. When I said the hardwood floors buckled, you're like, well, Josh, welcome to homeowning. Like, Things don't last forever. You have to spend your money to fix them. When I said the refrigerator broke, you were like, well, that's not the best timing. But by the time I got to the shower, you were like, bro, did y'all hear what happened to Walters? <laughs> that's awful. Can you believe that? You're like opening the door for me to be like, I know, it's ridiculous, right? There comes a point when the, the number of things we're walking through, when it compiles to a point that it's just like, seriously, where grumbling is acceptable for all of us. But Paul is saying here, hey, throw out the scale, throw out the spectrum, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Why is that? He goes on in verses 15 and 16, so that you may become pure and blameless, children of God without fault and a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Children of God without fault and a warped and crooked generation. I love there, Paul goes back and grabs a passage from Deuteronomy 32, five. It's in the Song of Moses while he's laying on his deathbed after he spent 40 years leading the nation of Israel through the wilderness. Paul used this passage to take the people of Philippi, Philippi back to a very familiar story. Can you imagine the frustration of roaming in the wilderness for 40 years? Ladies, driving around Charleston for 40 years because your husband refuses to pull over and ask for instructions to the town center, you know? It's like maddening, right? Can you imagine the frustration of Paul? He was the one that was leading these people who were grumbling and complaining only to finally get to that point of entering into the promised land and God say, Moses, you're not the man to lead them in. You're only gonna see it from a distance. Joshua is gonna lead them into the promised land. The story is full of frustration. Well, Paul grabs that passage to make his point. Do everything without grumbling or complaining. We're entering into a week that is ripe for some grumbling. You know what I'm talking about? All of us in some way are gonna experience some portion of the same formula. It's gonna look something like travel, shopping, and family, right? Because everybody's traveling, even a quick trip to the store is gonna take longer because there's a lot of, of traffic. Once you finally get to the store, everybody's out shopping, getting for something. There's gonna be somebody that doesn't know how to do something that's gonna have to call for help. You're gonna be scouting out registers, trying to jump over to another one to save some time. You're finally gonna get there with family, and you're gonna have to spend time with that crazy uncle, you know? And if you don't know who that is, it might be you, you know, <laughs> right? Ripe for grumbling and arguing. What would it look like for you to say, you know what? I'm gonna enter into this week, I'm gonna walk through this week with a happy heart, without any grumbling. 
You know, if you set out to do that, if you said, I'm not gonna do that this week, chances are you'll fail, okay? Lately, Katie's had this saying that, that's been kind of aggravating to me because it sounds like this girly Mr. Rogers thing, but she's been saying, inch by inch, life's a cinch. I've been saying, I don't care, that sounds ridiculous, you know? <laughs> but in principle, she's exactly right. What if you were to say, you know what? I'm gonna start with the carpool line. When we leave the house in the morning, uh, it is ripe for some grumbling on my part there, but for the carpool, I'm doing it with a happy heart. It's gonna be a great morning. I'm gonna be patient with the kids. I'm gonna be loving. I'm gonna send them off in prayer. It's gonna be great, right? Then you, then you take your next from nine to 10, that meeting, or ladies, when you get back to the house or to work or whatever it is you're doing, set a goal from 10 to 12, inch by inch, you know, just a little bit at a time. Then you can regroup at lunch. Maybe you need to find somebody, your spouse or a friend, somebody that's around you a lot to say, hey, just be attentive to the words that are coming out of my mouth. I have a tendency to grumble, you know, uh, just, just kind of talk out loud the stuff going on inside of me. And if you start to hear any of that, maybe you come up with a little code where you say, hey, hey, everything means everything. <laughs> you know? It's like, all right, I might need a little help. Chances are you won't be able to do it, but if you break the day into little moments, if you commit to believing that in some way everything means everything, Paul was saying don't grumble or complain about, about anything. In everything, you know, don't, don't let yourself go there. As we do that, we'll be able to experience some of the comfort and warmth, some of the cozy of Christmas. Why? Because we will shine like stars. What do stars do? They give light in the darkness. Everybody around you responds to frustrating circumstances the same way. But when you decide to speak life, when you decide to be different, other people take note. Say, man, what is it about him? What is it about her? She's not grumbling. Do you see what she's walking through? Do you see what he's going through? Other people will see and take note. So we can experience some cozy in the midst of crazy this Christmas when you, number one, make others your favorite, when we, number two, uh, do remember that everything means everything, and then number three, don't settle for stress. Don't settle for stress. Isn't that kind of what we do this time of year? Like after, after Thanksgiving up through New Year's, we know that there's gonna be a lot of, of travel, of shopping, uh, our, our schedule, our calendar is gonna get messed up. We've been hitting it hard in the gym, but now because of traveling, we're eating kind of crazy. Because of Christmas shopping, our budget's kind of blown. We're spending a lot more than we usually do. It's ripe for, for stress and anxiety. But by the time we get to January 1st, man, we got to see all the kids open up those presents. You had that time off work. I got to create some memories and spend some time with family you don't normally see. It's gonna be stressful, but it'll all be worth it. That's kind of what we say, right? Well, Paul's painting a picture here to say, hey, there's another way. You don't have to settle for stress. He goes on in chapter four, verses six and seven to say, do not be anxious about anything. Turn to your neighbor and say anything. Some of y'all thought that meant like you could say anything. I was talking about say the word, anything. Okay. Not do you wanna go to lunch with me. That's a different invitation. <laughs> the end of the message, all right. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Man, if you're anything like me, when stress and anxiety come over me, it is all-encompassing. I can't isolate it to one appliance, one person, one problem, and it manifests itself at home, at work, in every relationship. There's no internal switch that I can flip to make myself obedient to this passage. So how do we do it? 
If we're not going to be anxious, if we're not gonna be stressed about anything, I need a pretty clear roadmap. And Paul gives us some steps that we can take. The first of which is that we've got to pray about everything. Pray about everything. Is there anything in your life right now as we approach Christmas, as we head into the new year, is there anything that's stirring up anxiety within you? Stuff that worries you at night. Stuff that you can't stop thinking about within your family or your, your health or your finances. Paul says, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So one, by prayer, taking a step of faith. God, I can't solve this. I don't know what we're gonna do here. I don't know how we fix this. Pray about it, but then once you do, if stress and anxiety continues to come over you, you can't say, well, I prayed about it last night or I prayed about it this morning. He says, by prayer and petition, meaning that we have to continually bring our requests before God. So one, we have to pray about everything. The second thing that we have to do is think about the good stuff. Think about the good stuff. Philippians 4.80 says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Notice Paul didn't say that we are to think about everything, right? He said pray about everything and think about the good stuff. Our son Asher uh, had his birthday yesterday and I'm telling you of all of our kids, that there's one with so much potential, there is so much goodness in him, but he's also the one, if there's one that I wouldn't mind choke slamming just one time, <laughs> You know, it would be him. I've never done that. It's not a parenting tip. Don't say your pastor told you this is okay. It's not. Don't do that, okay? But I felt that way, all right? Because we walk into environments and, and man, quickly, I'll just see him portray some attribute that worries me. I'm like, where did he see that? Did he see that in me? Am I doing that? Like, gosh, what are we doing with him? How do we do this? There's a lot that I could worry about in parenting him. But I'll tell you this. Coming home from his party yesterday, a buddy of his got sick at the party. We're walking in our house with a, arms full of gifts. And he could have been thinking, Dad, will you help me set this one up? Can we play with this one? But while he's walking in with presents, he said, man, Dad, I sure hope, I sure hope he's okay. You know, he was really brave when he got sick. Usually when I get sick, I scream and cry, but he was really tough. I'm like, praise God, I'm glad you noticed that. It's like maddening. <laughs> when you get sick and I gotta deal with your crying, right? It's like ridiculous, you know? If I, if I heard my, y'all are thinking, he's a great dad, actually. <laughs> if I hurt my shoulder, right, and the kids at dinner are like, Dad, how can we pray for you in my shoulder? You know, a couple days will go by. He's the only one to say, Dad, how's your shoulder doing? Can you pick me up? Is it hurting? He's been thinking about me and praying for me. He's got such a compassionate, tender heart. He's so charismatic and outspoken. We walked in Chick-fil-A one day and there was a softball team taking up the whole front section. And uh, we clearly, they're wearing softball pants, the whole deal. He walks in and says, cheerleaders, I love cheerleaders. You know? <laughs> and so, oh, oh God. You know? So he goes over and eats it. We bring his meal to him. He sits with them the whole time. It's like, there is so much good charisma, compassion, so much good in him. What Paul's saying here is dig deep for the good stuff. If you've got stuff that's worrying you, pray about that. But in everything else, think about the good stuff. He says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, meaning dig deep. If you don't see anything on the surface, 
Man, don't settle for thinking about the bad stuff. We pray about that stuff. We think about the good stuff. Take our thoughts captive. Make them obedient to Christ. Think about the good stuff. The last thing we do there on the back of your outline is to do the right stuff. Do the right stuff. In Philippians 4, 9, Paul says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. You know, for some of you, this Christmas, you may not feel like you have the grace or capacity to do some of the right stuff. This past week was my, my sister's birthday. And uh, Katie said, hey Jay, what can we do to make your sister's birthday special? And I'm thinking, man, babe, with all that we've got going on in our life right now, seriously, she's a grown woman. Let's remember it and sing happy birthday <laughs> and that'll be special. <laughs> I'm a good brother too, just so you know. <laughs> so, too much going on to think about what do we do to make her birthday special, you know, remember it. That would be good. And so Katie said, no, I remember a couple years ago when we made her this banner. We kind of colored it out and hung it up. It meant so much to her. So I want you to go find some of that big five-foot roll paper and bring it back. I'll color the picture. You hang it up. And so I went and got it. She colored it, hung it up, made a banner. Said, I want us to get some flowers. So go to the store, get some flowers, and bring them home. So I got them and ranged them and, and put the flowers out. I didn't have the grace or the capacity to do the right thing, but Katie did. So I was able to follow her lead. And that's what Paul is telling the people of Philippi here. Whatever you've seen, whatever you've learned, whatever you've received from me, put it in to practice. You might, have, might not have the grace or capacity to, to put Jesus first this Christmas. Your life is feeling crazy, but man, your spouse probably does. There may be a brother or sister here in church. There may be somebody from a blog that you've read or a picture that you've seen. Paul's saying, hey, take the good stuff, take the godly stuff and, and do it. Put it in to practice. You know, as we commit to doing each of those things, as you make others your favorite, as you remember everything means everything, as you decide, I'm not gonna settle for stress. Really, all that we're doing is creating an environment in our homes and our hearts that we might experience the cozy, the warmth, the comfort, the relaxation of Christmas. You know, this week on Monday, with our whole shower situation, that was really the first time, I discovered it on Saturday, come Monday, it was the first time that I felt the weight of all we were walking through. Because I realized this was bigger than something I could resolve, I didn't even know where to start, it was gonna require a mess and construction and the damage might be farther than I even realized. So I called a friend of mine. He had helped us a, a good bit when we first renovated our house. He'd come over and kind of give me some marching orders of you know, one, two, and three, the order to do things in. And so I crawled under the house and took some pictures and a video and sent them to him, just kind of saying, hey, can you come by and show me where to start? Like, like, what do I do? And honestly, right now, I don't even know that we can do that with dad. Maybe I just buy ourselves some time, you know, whatever. So. All Monday goes by and I just have this low-lying stress about what are we gonna do, you know? So he calls about 4.30 that day and says, hey, listen, I've got an idea. Why don't me and another guy show up at your house tomorrow morning about 9.30? Tuesday's gonna be demo day. Uh, we'll prep the floor at the end of day and install all the new stuff on Wednesday and it'll be done by the end of day Wednesday, which was, the timing was just perfect because dad had to be transported to some appointments in Columbia on Monday. He was coming back Wednesday. And so I was like, man, is that even possible? Is your other friend's name Jesus? Because I don't know how <laughs> we're gonna do this, you know? And so, so sure enough, man, he comes over, they knock it out. Well, he called me 
on Wednesday, and I thought he was calling something about the floor, something they found, and he was in our guest room. That's where I first discovered the problem, so he was checking out the damage. Well, while he was in there, he saw my dad's hospital bed and then the, the rollaway bed that my mom had been sleeping on, and he called to say, hey, is this your mom's, is this your mom's bed? He had kind of put himself in, in their life, in their day, living in that room. He says, is this where she's been sleeping? I said, yeah, she's moved it from facility to facility. She wants to you know, sleep beside him. She slept on it in their dining room for four or five months. And so he said, well, hey, if it's all right with you, we gotta, we gotta do something about that today. I'd love to get a, a nice, comfortable bed in here for your mom. I was like, man, that's, that's incredible. So, so I get home at the end of the day and the shower was done, which was a, a big deal. But what my mom couldn't wait to show me was that twin bed. She said, hey, look at this. I'm gonna be able to, to lower dad's bed and it's gonna be the same height as this bed. We're gonna be able to snuggle tonight. They were gonna be able to share a comforter. That was the first time they had done that in eight or nine months or so. For anybody that's been following their story, you know, man, she is in a, a crazy season. But even for her, through the actions and heart of someone else, she's gonna experience a little bit of cozy a little bit of sweetness this Christmas. You know, cozy flows from the heart of God, but more times than not, it's gonna come through the eyes, the hands, the heart of one of us. So how might God be calling you to help create some cozy in the life of someone else this Christmas? And be certain that as you do, man, God will cultivate those same feelings that you've been longing for in your heart as well. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for, uh, for Paul. I thank you for this book. Praise you, God, for his example. And pray that in a way that only you could, God, you would give us a vision, give us some, some action steps leaving here today as to how we cannot settle for stress, how we can watch our words and speak life, how we can make others our favorite. God, wanting so desperately to encounter you, your power, your presence this Christmas. God, as we respond, we invite you into this place. Would you accomplish something that, that only you could do in our hearts and lives? In Jesus' name, amen.